0: Conclusion of Men of Iron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman. Men of Iron by Howard Pyle. Conclusion. But Miles was not dead. Those who had seen his face when the umbrella of the helmet was raised and then saw him fall as he tottered across the lists, had at first thought so. But his faintness was more from loss of blood, and the sudden unstringing of nerve and sense from the intense furious strain of the last few moments of the battle, than from the vital nature of the wound. Indeed, after Miles had been carried out on the lists and laid upon the ground in the shade between the barriers, Master Thomas, the Prince's barber-surgeon, having examined the wounds, declared that he might even be carried on a covered litter to Scotland Yard, without serious danger. The Prince was extremely desirous of having him under his care, and so the venture was tried. Miles was carried to Scotland Yard, and perhaps was none the worse, therefore. The Prince, and the Earl of Mackworth, and two or three others, stood silently, as the worthy shaver and leecher, assisted by his apprentice and Gascoigne, "'washed and bathed the great gaping wound in the side "'and bound it with linen bandages. "'Miles lay with his closed eyelids, still, pallid, "'weak as a little child. "'Presently he opened his eyes and turned them, "'dull and languid, to the prince. "'What hath hacked my father, my lord?' "'he said in a faint, whispering voice.' "'Thou hast saved his life and honour, Miles,' the prince answered. "'He is here now, and thy mother hath been sent for, "'and cometh anon with the priest, who was with them this morn.' Miles dropped his eyelids again. His lips moved, but he made no sound, and then two bright tears trickled across his white cheek. "'He maketh a woman of me,' the prince muttered through his teeth. And then swinging on his heel he stood for a long time looking out the window into the garden beneath. "May I see my father?" said Miles presently without opening his eyes. The prince turned around and looked inquiringly at the surgeon. The good man shook his head. "Not today," he said. "Happily tomorrow he may see him and his mother." The bleeding is but new stanched, and such matters as seeing his father and mother may make the heart to swell, and so maybe the wound burst afresh and he die, and he would hope to live, he must rest quiet until to-morrow day. But though Miles's wound was not mortal, it was very serious. The fever which followed lingered longer than common, perhaps because of the hot weather. But the days stretched to weeks, and the weeks to months and still he lay there, nursed by his mother and Gascoigne and prior Edward, and now and again by Sir James Lee. One day, a little before the good priest returned to St. Mary's Priory, he sat by Miles's bedside, his hands folded, and his sight turned inward. The young man suddenly said, "'Tell me, Holy Father, "'is it always wrong for man to slay man?' THE GOOD PRIEST SAT FOR SO LONG A TIME THAT MILES BEGAN TO THINK HE HAD NOT HEARD THE QUESTION. BUT BY AND BY HE ANSWERED, ALMOST WITH A SIGH, IT IS A HARD QUESTION, MY SON, BUT I MUST IN TRUTH SAY, ME SEEMS IT IS NOT ALWAYS WRONG. SIR, SAID MILES, I HAVE BEEN IN BATTLE WHEN MEN WERE slain." but never did I think thereon as I have upon this matter. Did I sin in so slaying my father's enemy? Nay, said Prior Edward quietly. Thou didst not sin. It was for others thou didst fight, my son, and for others it is pardonable to do battle. Had it been thine own quarrel, it might haply have been more hard to have answered thee. WHO CAN GAINSAY EVEN IN THESE DAYS OF LIGHT THE TRUTH OF THIS THAT THE GOOD PRIEST SAID TO THE SICK LAD, SO FAR AWAY IN THE PAST? ONE DAY THE EARL OF Mackworth CAME TO VISIT MILES. AT THAT TIME THE YOUNG KNIGHT WAS MENDING, AND WAS SITTING PROPPED UP WITH PILLOWS, AND WAS WRAPPED IN SIR JAMES LEE'S cloak, FOR THE DAY WAS CHILLY. AFTER A LITTLE TIME OF TALK, A PAUSE OF SILENCE FELL. "'My lord,' said Myles suddenly, "'dost thou remember one part of a matter we spoke of "'when I first came from France?' "'The Earl made no pretense of ignorance. "'I remember,' he said quietly, "'looking straight into the young man's thin white face. "'And have I yet won the right to ask for the Lady Alice de Mowbray to wife?' "'said Miles, the red rising faintly to his cheeks.' "'Thou hast won it,' said the earl with a smile. Miles' eyes shone, and his lips trembled with the pang of sudden joy and triumph, for he was still very weak. "'My lord,' he said presently, "'belike thou camest here to see me for this very matter?' The earl smiled again without answering, and Miles knew that he had guessed aright. He reached out one of his weak, pallid hands from beneath the cloak. The Earl of Mackworth took it with a firm pressure, then instantly quitting it again, rose, as if ashamed of his emotion, stamped his feet as though in pretense of being chilled, and then crossed the room to where the fire crackled brightly in the great stone fireplace. Little else remains to be told, only a few loose strands to tie, and the story is complete though lord Falworth was saved from death at the block though his honour was cleansed from stain he was yet as poor and needy as ever the king in spite of all the pressure brought to bear upon him refused to restore the estates of Falworth and easterbridge the latter of which had again reverted to the crown upon the death of the earl of alban without issue upon the grounds that they had been forfeited not because of the attaint of treason, but because of Lord Falworth having refused to respond to the citation of the courts. So the business dragged along for month after month, until in January the king died suddenly in the Jerusalem chamber at Westminster. Then matters went smoothly enough, and Falworth and Mackworth swam upon the flood-tide of fortune so miles was married for how else should the story end and one day he brought his beautiful young wife home to Falworth castle which his father had given him for his own and at the gateway of which he was met by sir james lee and by the newly knighted sir francis gascoigne one day soon after this home-coming as he stood with her at an open window into which came blowing the pleasant Maytime breeze He suddenly said, "'What didst thou think of me "'when I first fell almost into thy lap "'like an apple from heaven?' "'I thought thou were a great good-hearted boy, "'as I think thou art now,' "'she said, twisting his strong sinewy fingers in and out. "'If thou thoughtst me so then, "'what a very fool I must have looked to thee "'when I so clumsily besought thee "'for thy favour for my jousting at Devlin.' Did I not so? Thou didst look to me like the most noble, handsome young knight that did ever live. Thou didst look to me, Sir Galahad, as they did call thee, without taint or stain. Miles did not even smile in answer, but looked at his wife with such a look that she blushed a rosy red. Then laughing she slipped from his hold, and before he could catch her again, was gone. I am glad that he was to be rich and happy and honored and beloved after all his hard and noble fighting. End of Conclusion End of Men of Iron by Howard Pyle Recording by Rhonda Fetterman